Hey there, future fans. This week, it's going to be kind of the same show, but a little different. A small part of my Lady the Tramp talk was recorded two weeks ago. So if the show suddenly sounds different, that's why. But yes, like I said, the show is going to be kind of the same, but also a little different. Just in the sense that it's been, what, three, four weeks since the last episode. Um, Two weeks ago, it just didn't feel like the right time. But I can't ignore the show forever, so this is going to be a, a similar episode to the recent ones, but just a little different. I'll explain why. But now it is the week of June 19th, 2020, and this is episode 174 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone thank you for tuning into the show normally when i take a break when something happens like a birthday or a holiday and i take a break from the show i usually say that i had fun like oh it was fun not working on the show it was fun not dealing with it even though i do love the show i love you all i love i love doing this not doing something is going to be more fun especially when you fill that time with things like video games books movies etc. But but I can't say that this time. I, I can't say that during this this break, it was all shits and giggles. Since I want to be 100% transparent, the, ep- the reason I didn't do an episode last week is because it was Anne's birthday. We don't do episodes the weeks of our birthdays. But the week before, we all know what happened. A man named George Floyd was murdered, and the only thing he did was be black. Suspected of only trying to pass a counterfeit $20 bill. I think it was $20. It doesn't matter if it was a dollar to a hundred dollars. It doesn't matter what it was because that's not worth death. As some of you may know, I work at a, at a Whole Foods-esque grocery store and I'm the bookkeeper. And before being the bookkeeper, I was a lead cashier and I saw a lot of counterfeit bills. I mean, not a whole lot, but I did see them. But never once did I think, oh, this person who gave me this counterfeit, maybe we should kneel on their neck until they fucking die. Do you know why? Well, A, because that shouldn't happen. And B, that shouldn't happen. And besides it being something that shouldn't happen, counterfeits just get circulated. We have received bundles of money from the bank that we ordered because, you know, you you run out of 10s, 20s because people want cash back. You run out of these things, so you have to order more from the bank. We have received counterfeits from the bank. We've received counterfeits from little old ladies who had no idea who had just gone to the bank and they got it. It's not... I mean, I shouldn't even have to tell that story just because we shouldn't know the name George Floyd. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm saying we shouldn't know the name George Floyd because he should still be alive. They should have questioned him about the bill. He should have said, or not should have, but he probably would have said, I have no idea it was fake, tells them 
if he remembers where he got it, they say, thank you. Have a good day. They, everyone goes their ways. And we never know. We never knew his name because no awful murder happened. But we did learn his name. And like I've mentioned on the show, I don't like making the show political. I try to hide my political beliefs, even though I think if you pay enough attention, you can probably figure out where I land. But I, I don't talk about politics on the show. But this isn't a political matter. This is a civil rights matter. This is a story that I would not have been shocked if we actually found out, no, this happened in the 40s, in the 50s, somewhere back then. Still horrible, don't get me wrong, but it sounds like something that should have been in the past, not in fucking 2020. So when it happened, I, I watched the video, and it was the worst thing I've ever seen. And as some of you know, because I've said it on the show before, I've experienced racism. But this was this event and all the Black Lives Matter movement and all of this has been happening lately has truly opened my eyes to the fact that racism isn't equal among people who experience it. Because I've never once been pulled over by a cop and scared that I might die. And you know what? If I ever become famous, I bet you someone's going to dox me and f up things I said when I was younger are going to come out. And all I could say right now is that anything f up and insensitive I said is inexcusable and comes from a place of ignorance. I remember one time I was watching one of my favorite shows, Attack of the Show, when, when that was still a thing. And Kevin Pereira, the host of the show, someone I admire, I admire a lot, was doing a segment on Jewish American princesses, J-A-P. And he said that word. As hopefully a lot of you know, that is a bad word to say because it's a derogatory slang for Japanese people, my people. And I had gone on a rant on maybe Live Journal or somewhere, I forgot where it was, saying that, where is the outrage for that? That if someone had taken the N-word and made that into an acronym and then said it, there would be an outrage. And I see now that that was a wrong way to go about that. Because I don't know what the black experience is like, I don't know what it's like to be black. I'm half Asian, half white, and that has gotten me far in life. And I'm actually disgusted with myself that it took me so long to see this, to see this side of things. And it shows me even people with good intentions get it wrong. Like when I was, when I was commenting and being critical of the Oscar So White movement, I brought up the fact that more black people have won, have won awards than Asians. And I was wondering where the outrage for that was. And I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for that because it was a wrong thing to say, and we also can't compare racism. It, it doesn't work like that. The plight of the Asian in Hollywood and the plight of black people in Hollywood, just like the plight of Asians in America and black people in America, I can't be making judgments on one based off the other, and I see that now. And I know I could have just done this episode without mentioning any of this, just mentioned, yes, I didn't do an episode two weeks ago because of George Floyd's murder out of respect. And I could have just moved on. I could never have brought up some of the f***ed up things I've said in the past. But I think I had to. I had to acknowledge that even me, a, and I'm going to say it, a liberal who will always vote for equality, who is disgusted by what he sees on TV, the mass amounts of police violence during these protests, even I, someone with the best intentions, got wrong. So I had to acknowledge my errors, even though I could have pretended it never happened. And who knows, maybe I will never, ever get famous. And I could have just slid the rest of my life hiding behind my anonymity 
and that no one cares enough to dox me, I could have just done that. But I had to, you know, I, I, I had to say something. And acknowledging my faults in this was really hard. But boo-hoo, it was hard for me, a privileged guy who has never once had to fear the cops because of the color of my skin, that I have said and thought fucked up things. And I'm sorry, I know this show can be used by a lot as an escape from <laughs> escape from everything going on, because I just talk about movies, and you maybe like to hear me rant about things, and you maybe like to hear me get excited about films I love, maybe that excitement's contagious, maybe you like hearing me be a snarky bitch when I don't like a film. So I'm sorry. And this epiphany didn't make me some magically the perfect Black Lives Matter poster child jesus no it doesn't it but i think it means a step in the right direction so ladies and gentlemen i can't promise that i'm not ever going to make one of those mistakes again that i'm not going to have a fucked up viewpoint because of some blinder i have on i cannot promise that but i can promise you i can promise everyone that i will try my best to be better so let's actually talk about the show now Uh, let's get into this so i thank you for listening to that all right okay Let's talk about the show. Let's let's get into the show now. And I have a confession to make. I only watched three of the four films I said I was going to. Guess which film I missed. Can you guess? I'm so sorry. I promised you I was going to watch Portrait of a Woman on Fire. And I still want to. But it's one of those films that you have to be in the mood for. You have to be in the right mindset. Like if I went into the watching The Lighthouse... With a different mindset, I would have hated it even more than I did. Can you believe that? I could have possibly hated that film any more than I did. But the other movies this week, yeah, I could just turn them on and watch them. Going, yeah, I I don't need to be in any special mindset to watch Lady and the Tramp or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Or even The Goldfinch. Not really. So I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to stop putting it on the to-be-watch list for this show. And one day I will surprise you. One day I will f***ing surprise you. And in the very beginning of the show, before the intro music plays, I will tell you, yes, this is the week I watched Portrait of a Woman on Fire. So if you do like playing along at home, I mean, I'm assuming there's at least one of you, right? <laughs> then you could rewatch the movie if you haven't already and, uh, and join in. So if you're new to the show... If you're new to Future Flicks with Billiam, let me tell you a little bit about what we do here. And um, no, I usually don't open up the show talking about what a f***ing awful person I am. I don't normally do that. Because normally this is a happy-go-lucky show about movies. Normally, when we're not currently in lockdown from COVID-19, the show is a little bit different. I open the show with some mindless rambling. We talk about the news. Any new news has caught my eye since the last episode. Any new trailers have caught my eye since the last episode. Then we go into the movies where I normally talk about all the new movies hitting theaters that week. And then I wrap it all up with a question of the week. But since there's not a lot of new movies coming out and this show would be super short just talking about what Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon are getting any given week, I have changed the format. So we are still doing the news and trailers. But now each week I'm picking four movies or three sometimes like this week, and we're watching them together, or maybe I'm just watching them and you're hearing me talk about them, but ideally we all watch them together, yay, we're alone together. 
and then I review them. So this week, the three movies, since I am now officially taking Portrait of a Lady on Fire or Woman on Fire. I may have been saying the name wrong this whole time, but I'm officially taking the movie off the list until I get a chance to watch it. Then, like I said, surprise, I'll drop it on you like a pop quiz that no one asked for. But yes, this week, three movies, Lady and the Tramp on Disney+, Plus, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang on Netflix, and The Goldfinch on Amazon Prime. So, ladies and gentlemen, I know we've been talking for a while already, but... At the 12-minute mark, it's time to get into the show, so let's start with our first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. All right, everyone, this first story is from Variety, and you know what? In the past three, four weeks, I know I've missed a lot of stories. I'm just going to talk about a couple so we don't get bogged down in it, but just remember, as always... If I miss something you think I should have talked about or you want to hear my opinion on something, just let me know and I'll hit it up on the next episode. But this first story is from Variety. Apparently, Gone with the Wind will return to HBO Max after, quote, careful planning. As some of you may have probably already heard, Gone with the Wind has been taken off of HBO Max after a lot of uh, people getting angry about it because... Well, if you think about it, it kind of glorifies the Confederacy and slave ownership. And we're supposed to feel bad for these two huge assholes who, by the way, even if they were for the right side, they would still be assholes or just shitty people. But we're supposed to feel bad for these slave owners? Really? So set during a troubling time, but focusing on the wrong side of things, glorifying the wrong side, and then also having awful portrayals of black people like do you remember the scene when those when those black soldiers are going off to war fighting for the south remind you because they had to because they were slaves and they were talking to scarlet on the way out and that was that is so horrible so yes people were upset about that movie and i could see why so hbo max took it down but a lot of people thought that hbo max was going to remove it entirely That is not the case. They are going to couple it with something. Some ideas that I've heard being thrown around were were a disclaimer about how racist and of a different time it was, but also also maybe, maybe a short video on why it's racist. So for all those people scared that Gone with the Wind was forever taken off HBO Max, no, it's not. They're going to bring it back. But come on, should we really miss it that much? I've said time and time again, it's not a good movie. It is way too long. It is poorly paced. The characters are awful people. No one except, like, Mammy is likable, and even Mammy is an awful black stereotype. So yeah, maybe we don't need the movie in our lives at all. If you want a wonderful old movie, instead of Gone with the Wind, let's watch Casablanca instead. Let's watch Citizen Kane or Rear Window or anything else, basically. The next story comes to us from Digital Spy. The Avatar sequels will resume filming following their hiatus due to COVID-19. And as one, the movie going public said, eh. But honestly, if any of you out there are excited for these films, please let me know. I promise I will not make fun of you. I promise I will be kind. It's just that I can't see anyone being excited for this because the movie is so old now. All right, let's move on to our next story, also from Variety. Hey, if you liked Ad Astra, which I did and didn't like it, I did, I liked it. 
But if you liked Ad Astra, good news for you, director and writer of Ad Astra, James Gray has announced some of the cast of his new project. His new project is a movie called Armageddon Time. Apparently it's a coming-of-age story about growing up in Queens in 1980s. And the cast thus far is made up of Robert De Niro, Anne Hathaway, Kate Blanchett, Oscar Isaac, and Donald Sutherland. F**k yeah. No release date as of yet for this movie. In a story from Fatherly? Okay, sure, why not? In a story from Fatherly, we now know who will be voicing Jiminy Cricket in Guillermo del Toro's stop-motion animation rendition of Pinocchio, and that is going to be the handsome Jedi himself, Ewan McGregor. And I'm glad I knew this going in, because if I just went to the movie not knowing, I'd be so confused going, why am I pitching a tent listening to a cricket sing? It's because it's Ewan McGregor. Of the other people in the cast, thus far we know Tilda Swinton, Christoph Waltz, and Ron Perlman. This is set to release sometime in 2021. In a story from, well, another one from Variety, the team behind the hit TV show and made-for-TV movie Psych is talking about their next movie, well, the next Psych movie, which they hope to include co-star of the show Timothy Amundsen in because he was not part of the first movie after suffering an awful stroke, but he is better now, I guess. I don't know if he's fully better or if he's kind of like my mom, who who survived the stroke and it was just some things just weren't right afterwards. She can't use her arm, one of her arms, and uh, she's not too steady on her feet these days. God, this is just a f***ing depressing episode, isn't it? Uh, let's move on to a story from io9. Ridley Scott wants to use a new movie to answer an obvious question raised by Alien. Well, here's my question, Ridley Scott. When will you f***ing stop? Alien was good. Then James Cameron came in did it better with Aliens, and then two movie, two other movies were made which were goofy but fun. Stop there. Prometheus was mediocre at best, and Alien Covenant was so bad, it's the movie equivalent of making mac and cheese but with dick cheese. It's kind of quality entertainment you'll find here on Future Flicks with Billiam. And in our final story, ladies and gentlemen, this from BGR.com. Apparently, critics are not liking the new Netflix original movie, the Last Days of American Crime, and apparently neither are actual human beings. Because we all know movie critics aren't really people, they're soulless husks that are just paid to watch films and uh, just type out bullshit about it. But the tomato meter score is 0% for this film, and the audience score is actually not much better, 25%. And I'm kind of... I'm kind of curious as to watch this film and see what kind of train wreck it is. And ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the news. Once again, if there's anything I missed in the past few weeks that you think I should talk about, or maybe you just want to hear me swear a lot more, just let me know, and I will talk about it on the next episode. But for now, let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, we're back, and we are back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. 
Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's start with the trailer for a movie called Palm Springs that's coming to Hulu on July 10th. This stars Andy Samberg, Kristen Milioti, J.K. Simmons, Peter Gallagher, and Tyler Hoechlin. This film is an interesting take on the Groundhog Day idea. Carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have the chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding. Things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. That is because both Niles and Sarah are forced to relive the day over and over. So yes, this is a a movie that sounds a lot like Groundhog Day, but also like it does its own thing. So we have Andy Samberg's character who is at this wedding and meets this woman, the maid of honor named Sarah, and they're out talking somewhere and Andy Samberg gets randomly attacked by some guy with a crossbow for, I I don't know why. Hopefully they'll explain that. But then Andy Samberg's running away. He goes into this weird cave. He's telling Sarah, don't follow me. She follows him anyway. She wakes up and it's the same day again. And the next day she wakes up, it's the same day again, same day again. So her and Andy Samberg, and I'm thinking J.K. Simmons, are the only ones that keep reliving this day. And no matter what they do, they can't get out. So old idea, but an interesting take on it. And I think this looks interesting, especially for a movie that's going straight to streaming, so you don't have to pay jack for it. You're already paying for the service. Check this out July 10th. Next up, folks, we have a trailer for a movie called Looks That Kill. This comes out June 19th. So by the time you're listening to this episode, it may already be out. This is coming straight to VOD, not free, but video on demand for, let's see, there's no price yet, but it's going to come to Amazon and iTunes. And this movie is about a teenage boy named Max who has to live with the ups and downs of being lethally attractive. That's right. He is so attractive that anyone who looks at him besides his parents will die. So he walks through life covered in bandages and wearing sunglasses because, yes, you heard me right. Anytime someone looks at his face, he they, or they die. So one day he's standing on a bridge contemplating suicide, you know, like you do. And he meets this young woman and they become friends and hit it off. But this stars Brandon Flynn, who, when I was looking at the comments on YouTube for this trailer, people are like, oh, my God, Brandon from 13 Reasons Why. He's so cute, but we don't get to see his face. So anyway, it stars him, Ki Hong Lee from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, uh, Annie Momolo. What is she from again? Let's see. Oh, Bridesmaids, Bad Moms, This is 40, movies like that. And I think the girl is played by Juliana Goldani Tellis. But the IMDb page for this movie really isn't fully, <laughs> fully uh, filled out yet. So yes, this comes out June 19th. Next up, folks, we have a trailer for Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. This is about aspiring musicians Lars and Sigrid, who are given the opportunity to represent their country of Iceland at the world's biggest song competition. They finally have the chance to prove that any dream worth having is a dream worth fighting for. This stars Will Ferrell, Rachel McAdams, Dan Stevens, Pierce Brosnan, Demi Lovato, and a bunch of Icelandic people. This is a Netflix original movie coming to Netflix June 26th, and it looks pretty dumb, but, you know, the right kind of dumb, where where you'll have fun, 
but maybe not really remember the movie a lot. It's weird that this movie's coming out in America because Eurovision is kind of a weird thing for an American movie to be about, but who knows? Could be good. Ladies and gentlemen, next up, we have a trailer for a movie called Wasp Network. No, this is not about white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. This is based on a true story, supposedly, of five Cuban political prisoners who had been imprisoned by the United States since the late 1990s on charges of espionage and murder. This stars Edgar Ramirez, Ana de Armas, Penelope Cruz, Gail Garcia Bernal, and looks like it for the big names. Uh, this is a Netflix original movie coming out June 19th, and okay, everything I've seen Ana de Armas in, I've liked. I was told not to watch Knock Knock, that apparently it's awful. And from what I've been told, I'll probably agree with it. But everyone, everything else I've seen her in, uh, I think she does a good job. So I'm looking forward to this. So yes, Netflix, June 19th. And finally, in the trailer trove, we have a trailer for a TV series, a Hulu original TV series coming out June 19th. And I know I don't normally do TV, but it's the kind of sequel, I guess a spiritual sequel of a movie that I loved so much called Love, Simon. This is a TV show called Love, Victor. So if you don't remember, Love, Simon was about this young man, this high school student named Simon, who's gay, has never come out to his fa friends or family yet. And he has an online friendship with someone, but they're both anonymous. They don't know who the other is. But this person he's talking to, he knows is a student in his school, and he knows this student is gay as well. So they start to kind of form a friendship and then feelings for each other and then one day simon is outed by someone who finds out his secret it's a, it's a whole to do fantastic movie fantastic book but this takes place afterwards victor is the new student at creekwood high school on his own journey of self-discovery facing challenges at home adjusting to a new city and struggling with his sexual orientation it looks fantastic and it looks like it even has some people from the movie in it so that's fantastic i can't wait for this it looks super cute well anyway ladies and gentlemen that is it for the trailer trove let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the nerds of the squared circle podcast and we'll be right back with the movies nerds of the squared circle on somewhat nerdy.com nerds of the squared circle on somewhat nerdy.com nerds of the squared circle on somewhat nerdy.com hi i'm sam jericho of somewhat nerdy.com's nerds of the squared circle join me Snarf Chris and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah. yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, let's start off the movies with our throwback film this week. It's a classic from 1968 called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. This film is about a down-on-his-luck inventor and how he turns a broken-down Grand Prix car into a fancy vehicle for his children, and then they go off on a magical fantasy adventure to save their grandfather in a far-off land. And just a quick reminder, I, I I hope I said this in the in the intro. I hope I remember to say it, but if I didn't, these aren't going to be spoiler-free talks about the film. Any of the films. But at this point, do we really need a spoiler warning for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? I mean, I hadn't seen it. This this was my first time watching the film, but the movie is 52 years old, so it's kind of my fault at this point. Oh, what am I saying? You know how I feel about spoilers. This film stars Dick Van Dyke. Sally Ann Howes, Lionel Jeffries, and Benny 
Hill. Of course, you know Benny Hill, famous comedian. If if you don't know Benny Hill, you know the theme song to his to his TV show. We're going to play it. I'm going to play it just a little bit right now. But before I do, I just want to say, of course, I don't own this music. And I'm just using this to remind us what a great theme it was. So I know I only played a little bit of it, about 15 seconds to be exact, but I think that was enough to remind you what that song was and how many times we've heard it, how often it's used. And oddly enough, in this movie, which is an, a family adventure comedy, musical, comedy musical, all those things, even though it seems like something that's right up Benny Hill's alley, he actually plays more of a serious character in this. But, you know, we're not talking about Benny Hill. We're talking about the movie as a whole. So let me finish talking about that. This was directed by Ken Hughes. Let's see what he what else he has done. The Trials of Oscar Wilde. He was a director for that. Casino Royale. The original Casino Royale. And it's actually interesting that this director did that because Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is based off a novel by Ian Fleming. That's right. The creator of James Bond wrote the book this is based off of. And then the screenplay was adapted for the screen by the one and only Roald Dahl. So we had the creator of Bond making the original book, or writing the original book, and then we had Roald Dahl, one of the most influential children's book authors of all time, writing the screenplay. And I'm seriously wondering if Ian Fleming decided, you know what, I am going to write this series of spy novels. They're very serious, maybe a little tongue-in-cheek at times, but it's mainly a serious thing. I'm going to get all the goofy sh** out of my system and write Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. No matter what he decided or how the book came about, we had the book, then we had the movie, and it's it's a classic old film. It is, it is from 1968, so to put that in perspective, Mary Poppins was 1964, Sound of Music was 1965, and Bedknobs and Broomsticks was 1971. And I feel bad saying this, but... We take movies like Mary Poppins and The Sound of Music and we put them up there with the in the upper echelons of great cinema. And I think in part due to our history with it, our love our love affair with these movies as children, where movies like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and Bedknobs and Broomsticks are well loved, but by a little more niche crowd. They're not as popular as the two Julie Andrews masterpieces. But when I was growing up, one of my neighbors was the aunt of a friend of mine. So he would go visit her and then I would hang out with him during that time. And his little sister loved Chitty Chitty Bang Bang so much. And I just remember her running around the house screaming Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang before she put the tape into the VCR and started watching it. And then us, we were a little bit older. We were like, nah, we, we don't want this kid shit. And we go do something else. Play Ninja Turtles or Ghostbusters or something, but, you know, not that kid shit. <laughs> but as I got more into movies growing up, this was still one that that never made it on my to-be-watch list. And I, I'm the movie guy in, the, in this marriage, and 
is more into television, but there are certain movies that she introduces me to because they are beloved ones of her childhood, and this was one of them. So this was her pick. We watched this film, and it kind of feels to me, the whole movie felt to me like someone watched Mary Poppins, did some acid, and then tried to write a kid's movie. I liked this film. I want to, I want to make it clear I liked this film. Not nearly as much as I as I liked Sound of Music and Mary Poppins, of course, but I liked it. When we finally have kids, I think this will definitely go on the list of movies that we will we will play for our child. And it will also be a good way to get our child to focus on something for a while because just like The Sound of Music, this movie was long. Not as long as The Sound of Music. The Sound of Music clocks in at 2 hours 52 minutes. But Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is about two and a half hours, two hours and 24 minutes to be exact. And they're complete with an intermission in the middle. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so this is where the new part starts. That previous eight minutes or however long it was, was what it was what I recorded a couple weeks ago. If you hear anything weird in the background, it's because I have the fan on because it's balls hot today. And my computer loves me so much and it just started making random noises. So let's see how that works out. But we're talking about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, a classic movie that, in my opinion, is so obtuse, it's the only thing that saves it as being a classic. So many times during the film, I just stopped and wondered, what the f*** is going on? Is this woman's name really, truly scrumptious? Is Dick Van Dyke's name really Correcticus Potts? Is half of the movie really a dream sequence or a story being told? Jesus Ian Fleming, how much did you smoke before making this film? And even though I was so confused and we were even watching the film wondering after the part on the beach, when they go out on the day trip to the beach, how much of that is a, is a dream sequence, was a story, because then it becomes unclear, because initially the water magically comes in, this pirate or whatever is on their way to get them, they get out, because Potts made an invention that actually worked, oh my god, this car is able to float and propel itself on water, so to me that part was very obviously part of a story or a dream, but then it becomes unclear, and then it's not until the very, very end where they go, oh, by the way, this is all a dream. And I guess back in 1968, like that wasn't done. But for a while, it was done so much that now as a whole, we're sick of it. If a new movie came out and the whole thing was a dream, I think people would get angry. People would not like that because we expect more. But back in 1968, that was the olden days, right? Written language was barely invented, if I remember my history correctly. So maybe it wasn't such a cop-out at the time. And the film also suffers from some, from some terrible pacing issues because the first half of this almost two and a half hour movie it is very slow. We open up with this huge history of auto racing that takes way longer than it should. And then we meet all the characters and then it's basically just Cracticus Potts trying not to be such a f up. And then we have all these interactions between him and Truly Scrumptious and they somehow get along super well each and every time. And then one of them says something stupid, probably... Cracticus Potts, but the children see her and go, oh, maybe our new mother? But we have this slow-moving first part, and then that's kind of when this dream sequence or the story comes in. So this almost feels like two 
hour and a quarter movies stuck together, with the second half moving way faster. Like, we hardly learn anything about where the dastardly Baron Bomburst kidnaps Grandpa Potts to. And if Baron Bomburst looks familiar to you, maybe you've seen Goldeneye. Not Goldeneye, Gold, maybe you've seen Goldfinger, because he is Goldfinger. So we have the second half of this movie that that just moves really fast just to find out, oh, none of it actually happens. Oh, guess what? We had Cracticus Potts and Truly Scrumptious not actually falling for each other this whole time, or did they? And I know it sounds like I don't like this film, but I, I do. And I think it's because it is a cute old musical. The songs are ridiculous, even stupid at times, but they're catchy. It's an old film with Dick Van Dyke, What's Not to Love. And even though everything is kind of weird, there's pacing issues up the wazoo, it all kind of works. Even if we compare it to other movies of the time, like Bedknobs and Broomsticks, uh, Oliver, Sound of Music, uh, Willy Wonka, Mary Poppins, movies like that, it, it really doesn't hold up. Still, it's a fun film, and I think it's worth a rewatch every now and then, but maybe not as much as the films I have just mentioned. At the end of the day, this is just an okay film. And if you have wonderful childhood memories of it, it makes it even better for you. And me watching this as an adult, I can appreciate this, but just maybe not on the same level as some of you might. So if you do watch this as an adult, if you've never seen this and you're going to watch it for the first time, just be prepared for something a little odd for a movie that lacks focus, but is still fun. Also, the lyrics to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang sound like something you write when you're stoned out of your mind and you're like oh this will be great this is gonna be a great song you wake up the next day and you read it going what the f did i write but you know what it's a catchiest f song even if over 50 percent of the words are chitty chitty bang bang so let's wrap this all up chitty chitty bang bang is really weird it is the lesser of the movies of its time, but it's still a fun movie to watch. It will always hold a special place in the hearts of many, especially as older or you know newer, I mean, <laughs> generations show this to their kids and their kids show it to their kids. It's cute. It's catchy. Even if it's weird as f Chitty Chitty Bang Bang gets a 7 out of 11. All right, my future friends, the next film that we have to talk about is also on Disney+. Plus. Oh, that's right. I never actually said, or maybe I did. I forget things. But Chitty Chitty Bang Bang wasn't actually on Disney+. Plus. It was on Netflix. Anyway, the next movie we're going to be talking about is on Disney+. Plus. It really is, and it's called Lady and the Tramp. This, of course, is a Disney live-action remake of the 1955 movie of the same name. And this stars Kiersey Clemens from Dope, Thomas Mann from Project X, Adrian Martinez from Stumptown, Yvette Nicole Brown from Community, F. Marie Abraham from Amadeus, Arturo Castro from Broad City, and Ken Jeong from The Hangover. This also features the voices of Tessa Thompson, Justin Thoreau, Sam Elliott, Ashley Jensen, Janelle Monet and Benedict Wong. This is the romantic tale of a sheltered uptown cocker spaniel who gets lost and must rely on the help of a streetwise downtown mutt named Tramp. You may have remembered me talking about this movie before. I talked about it for quite a few reasons. First is that Lady and the Tramp is one of my favorite all-time Disney movies. 
Yes, even with the Siamese cat song, it is still one of my favorites. So I was actually a little disappointed when this never hit theaters, but it was being used as a selling point for Disney Plus going, hey, look, brand new movie. No one has seen this coming straight to Disney Plus on launch day. And guess what? It took me a while to watch this because this came out on November 12th, 2019. This comes to us from director Charlie Bean, who has done a lot of cartoons. He's done Robot Boy, Tron Uprising, the Lego Ninjago movie. And this is his first time directing a movie with humans. And, you know, I think he did a good job. But when I was watching the trailer, you may remember that I mentioned that my my fear was that because this wasn't going to be a big Disney movie, they weren't throwing this into the theaters to get a shit ton of money, that maybe, just maybe, it wouldn't get the same treatment in the CG department as their other movies may. Because from the trailer, there are parts that looked really, really weird. Because there were real dogs in this movie. But guess what? Here's something that I learned. Dogs can't actually talk. Weird, right? So, they use CG to make the mouth move. And also they use CG to make the dogs do things that may be questionable. Not questionable as in an offensive sort of way, but questionable as in a dangerous sort of way. Some of the stunts Tramp did were obviously set up that way. Like when Tramp is running from the dog catcher, the way he gets out of certain situations, if you break down the movements he does for this, look a lot like one of those obstacle courses in a dog show. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not complaining about that. It's just something I noticed. But the good news is when the final product came out, the CG looked better than it did in the trailer. I mean, it wasn't great. It was noticeable, but not so noticeable that it took me out of the movie. And I think there's something important to point out about this movie before we go on any further. It is that there was a lot about it that was changed, but the heart of the story, the basic premise stays the same. Lady has his family. They love her very much. This bitch of an aunt comes to stay with them. She brings two cats who are huge dicks. I can relate. My cats like to play like assholes at like five in the morning. So these cats get the dog in trouble. The dog gets sent away thanks to the bitch of an ant. Lady, now on the streets, meets Tramp. Tramp shows her the ways, but she makes it back home. Guess what? The family missed her. Oh, she should never have doubted that. But guess what? Tramp gets captured by the dog catcher. Oh, knows we need to save Tramp. Tramp gets saved. Happy ending. I really hope I didn't spoil this movie from 1955 for anyone, but there it is. So that's basically what happened in the original 1955 version and what happened in this version. But there are some very important differences. Like the aforementioned Siamese cat song was replaced by a different song that maybe won't get people offended. Because let's be honest, those two cats looked like they could have been related to Mickey Rooney's Mr. Unioshi from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Hurry, go right, Ray. That's so dumb. It's so racist. Oh my god. I mean, let's be honest. Maybe that's not the best thing to be laughing at now. Maybe old racism isn't the right thing to laugh at. But also, just look at it. It is so offensive and so ham-handed and so over-the-top and so just... You have to laugh at stuff like that. And like the... 
Siamese cat song and just go, okay, no, we're not going to do this again. So the cats in the movie aren't Siamese. They don't have offensive accents. They have a song, but it changes. But the idea stays the same. Another thing that changed is the movie's more woke, I guess is the way to say it. Because we have Kiersey Clemens playing Darling and Thomas Mann playing Jim Deer. So we have a we have a couple made up of a black woman and a white man. So we have this movie that looks like it's supposed to take place in the 50s. But the city they're going through, the city that Lady and the Tramp are going through is this wonderfully multicultural city. Okay, actually not true, multiracial city because it is just an American city. Except for the Italian restaurant, it's all just America. But this wonderfully multiracial city that you wouldn't have seen back in 1955. And that kind of asks a question that I don't want to cover right now. Not fully. I'm just going to talk a little bit about it because I have always been torn on this. So we have movies that take place in the past. The past is kind of shit. If the murder of George Floyd in the Black Lives Matter movement is a sign of anything, it's that guess what? Equality is still not here in the year 2020, let alone back in the 50s. So if we have a movie that takes place in the 50s, what do we show? Because guess what? Back then, segregation was still legal. It wasn't until 1964 that the Civil Rights Bill was signed into law, and even then, it didn't happen overnight. So when we have these movies that take place in the past, what do we show? Do we show the world we wish we had? Or do we show the world like it was? Seeing as this is a, is a Disney movie, it kind of helped me realize something, that it depends on the movie. For this film... Let's pretend, or not pretend, let's just show the world we want, where we have all these people living together in true equality. But maybe if the movie's a bit more serious or is tackling these racial issues, then maybe show it like it was. Because I historically have always attacked this question as there's only one way, but maybe that's not the case. Maybe we have to take this by a movie-to-movie -movie basis. And Trust me, we can go so deep into this that we can fill multiple podcasts worth of of content about this topic. Because then we have the question, is that showing this world back then where everyone lived happily together, is that a dangerous thing to do? Because then we're trusting parents and schools to be honest about the way the past was. But right now, after watching Lady the Tramp, I liked the way they handled it. They're not claiming the past wasn't horrible. They're just saying that, look, this is what we're presenting. We're presenting this very positive image of what the world should and could be. And come on, you guys know I had to go off on that tangent, especially now. But let's go back to talking about Lady and the Tramp as a film. Here's the thing. Even with all, even with all they changed, they changed the racist song. They changed the world to be more inclusive. They changed the story to focus more on adoption because I, I really don't think in the old movie that Peg and Bull, the two dogs who sang the song to Lady in the Pound, I don't think those two dogs got adopted in the original movie. So this movie also had a very heavy, let's get, let's adopt animals, let's rescue animals from shelters instead of going to a, a breeder like an idiot. So even with all those changes, it is still the lady 
and the Tramp that we know. If you liked the original Lady and the Tramp, you will like this one, as long as you can just sit back and enjoy a film. If you didn't like the original Lady and the Tramp, it depends on why you didn't. If the problematic elements was the main reason for you not liking it, then maybe you will like this one. If you just didn't like it as a film, don't even give this a shot because it's basically the same thing even though I talked about all the changes made. The story is still the same. Though watching this movie made me want to adopt a dog, I was told that uh, the answer to that is no, apparently. I hope when we when we have children one day, our children will grow up and they'll, they'll love the cats because we're always going to have cats. We're a cat family. But I hope that one of one of our children will want a dog. So that way I can go, look, sweetie, two against one. I win. I was just told by someone in the same house right now that what I just said was fiction. Okay, if you have a dog, let me be your friend so I can pet your dog. No, that's not an innuendo. I want to pet a dog. I know we kind of went all over the place with this one, but let me be very clear. I liked this film. It made me happy. It reminded me of the film that I loved as a kid, and I felt good about it. I didn't have to I didn't have to ignore certain parts of it or write it off as just a sign of the times because those elements were gone. 2019's Lady and the Tramp was a wonderful family film that I think can be enjoyed by, well, guess what? The whole family, whether you're cat people or dog people, whether you liked the original or you didn't. I think this is a good film. It's not great. It is not great whatsoever, but it's good. Lady and the Tramp gets a 7 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, two movies down. We have one more to go, so let's take a break and listen to our a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. Then we'll be back with the final movie, which is The Goldfinch. And then I'll tell you what the movies are for next week. And then I'll give you a new question of the week because I forgot last episode I did not give one. So we'll just think of a new question. So please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMPodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. Alright folks, next up we have The Goldfinch. This was available to watch on, uh, let me see, Amazon Prime. This is based off the novel by Donna Tartt, novel of the same name, and it came out in 2019. This is about a boy in New York who is taken in by a wealthy Upper East Side family after his mother is killed in a bombing at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. In truth, it's so much more than that, but that's all that IMDb put on their description here. 
And this stars Oakes Fegley from Wonderstruck, Ansel Elgore from Baby Driver, Nicole Kidman from Batman Returns, Jeffrey Wright from Westworld, Luke Wilson from Idiocracy, Sarah Paulson from American Horror Story, Willa Fitzgerald from Scream the TV series, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things, Anurin Barnard from Dunkirk, and Ashley Cummings from Nosferatu. So The Goldfinch was a book published in 2013 by writer Donna Tartt, who is more long-winded than an exasperated monsoon, and I say that because this book, the, the paperback copy that Anne has, is 771 pages long. It's true, I've read longer books. I've read The Stand by Stephen King. I've read It by Stephen King. <laughs> I've read... 112263, also by Stephen King, but this book is also really long. So why not pick this book, this epic tome, to turn into a single movie? That sounds great, right? And here's where it gets here's where it gets a little different than a normal review I do. Because I did like it. Because I read the book. Because I spent all this time with the characters. I know them so well. I liked the movie. But the whole time I was watching the film, that Anne and I were watching the film, we were both thinking that how confusing would it be if you had never read the book? So I feel really bad for anyone who watched this film without having read the book because it made no f***ing sense. All of the characters can go f*** off. Because you don't really get to know anyone. No one is interesting. There, You don't grow to like anyone. Besides really Theo, who you know as a kid and an adult. He's the one whose mother gets killed in the bombing. And then uh, Hobie, who is played by Jeffrey Wright. Luke Wilson and Sarah Paulson aren't in it for long. Even Boris, who in the book is a really big character. Played by Finn Wolfhard for young Boris and Erin Barnard for adult Boris. So you see a lot of Boris in the book, but in the movie, you don't really. And the problem with turning this into a movie, besides the length and how much you have to cut, is that this really isn't a book with a plot. Not really. Very, very technically, this is about Theo, and how when Theo was a kid, him and his mom went to a museum. The museum was then attacked his mom died. He survived. He's one of the few people to survive in this room, in the room that he was in. And he meets this dude who's dying, who hands him a ring and then also convinces him to save this painting, save this famous painting called the Goldfinch. Theo does it, grabs it, but he's in a daze. So he just goes straight home. No one stops this kid. No one stops this kid who's leaving the site of a bombing all dirty and f***ed up. But he makes it home, and he has this famous painting, Fabrizio's The Goldfinch. Thanks to the Wikipedia, it is a painting of, well, a goldfinch painted in 1654 by famous Dutch artist Carol Fabricius. So the book is really about how Theo's life changes after this bombing and how he carries this painting around with him for his life. Not whole life, because I think there's a, what, a 10-year jump, I think? Maybe even less than that. But there, there is a jump in time, and he still has a painting, and his personal problems have just exploded since then. Drug addiction, but you see in the book, and also in the movie, they show it how it happened. But he's like a high-functioning drug addict. But you really follow Theo through 
two parts of his life. When he's a kid directly after the bombing, so he goes to live with his friend's family because he has no other family in the area. So an old school friend of his, that's the only people he can think of. He goes to live with them. The mom is played by Nicole Kidman. And then guess what? His father shows up to take him away, but his father's kind of a piece of shit. Things go crazy. Theo runs away back to New York to live with Hobie. This guy he met thanks to that old man, old dying man he met in the museum named Welty. Welty gave him a ring, told him to go to this certain place. He finds Hobie, a dealer of antique furniture, and they form a friendship. Nothing weird, because this is literature, so it may be something weird, but no, nothing weird. So now Theo's an adult, but his childhood, or this boy he met when he lived with his dad, named Boris, comes back into his life. Oh, guess what? You don't actually have the painting. I stole the painting from you. Let's go get it. And I could go deeper into it, but as you can see, there's no real plot. There's nothing that you can put down in like four sentences to do justice to the book. There's so much going on, so much. I left even more unsaid. So we have this long-winded but also beautifully written book with a story that is kind of hard to put into words. So why not turn that into a movie? Good idea. Hell, even it got two films. I think this would have been much, much better as an Amazon or Netflix or Hulu original show. It could have been one or two seasons, maybe just maybe just one season, six to 12 episodes. I don't know. They could have done the book justice. It would would have been so much better. But the way it stands, the Goldfinch, which has good acting in it, it's, it's a well done film except for the translation from page to screen. So there are a lot of specific elements about the movie that are well done, but not enough of those elements could save what was doomed to begin with. I think the only way you can watch this movie and like it is if you read the book. And I understand not a lot of people read as many books as Anne and I do. Some of my friends who love reading read about 20, 30 a year, maybe. So how much of your time do you want taken up by this tome that you could also use to murder someone with? I need to kill that dragon. Well, I don't have a sword, but here's a copy of the Goldfinch. Don't worry, it's too thick to burn that easily. So if you have read the Goldfinch, watch the movie. You'll like it. You'll like it because it's a condensed version of the book. It's kind of like, if you're familiar with anime at all, there was this anime called Tengatop and Gurren Lagann, which I really liked. It was a 27-episode anime. I thought it was really well done, but it was also released in a three-part movie, or an OVA, if, you, if you're familiar with the anime terms. So that is what I compare it to. The book is Tengatop and Gurren Lagann, the TV show, The movie is like Gurren Lagann, well, the movie. So every once in a while, I can watch the Gurren Lagann movies and go, ah, yes, that was good. But every once in a while, maybe I want to dive into the whole thing, and then I have the show. Will I ever read The Goldfinch again? I don't know. I honestly don't. I liked the book, but it is quite an ordeal. But now I have the movie. But if you have not watched the movie, don't even pick this up. If you... Even if you love Ansel Elgore or Nicole Kidman or Jeffrey Wright, even if you love them, just pass. Since I'm a fan of the book, I give this movie a 7 out of 11. But I truly believe if I had never read the book, I would have given this a 4.5. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that is it for this episode. Um, let us talk about the movies for next week and then what the next question of the week is going to be. And we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa. I'm going to put your ad at the end. I'm sorry. I didn't really think about how I was going to space out the ads in this cluster f- of an episode. So, hey, if you, in your next episode, you want to just tack my my uh, ad onto the end of yours, I'll understand. So for next week, ladies and gentlemen, we have The Edge of Seventeen on Netflix. We have The Hustle on Hulu and Amazon Prime. We have Artemis Fowl on Disney+. Plus. Yes, I'm going to watch it. And our throwback film is going to be Grease, which unfortunately is not available on any streaming services. And I do realize that these movies, none of them really feature people of color. Anne suggested, and I thought about it, doing an episode with all movies by and starring black people. But instead of doing one movie or one episode where I do that, I, I from now on, I kind of want to just make it more, more equal in the show. The reason I'm not doing it for episode 175, though, is because we've already seen these movies. They're still fresh in my head and I can record it really quick. So moving forward, I'm going to be better. But for now... Edge of 17 on Netflix, The Hustle on Hulu and Amazon Prime, Grease, not in any streaming services, and Artemis Fowl on Disney+. So we need a new question of the week. And that new question is, in the spirit of the Black Lives Matter protest and all that's been going on, I wonder who is a black actor, actress, director, or writer, someone working in Hollywood, that you would like to see more. That hopefully all this going on is going to spark some change and maybe you'll get to see this person more. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for episode 174 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Thank you for tuning in. Episode 175 will come in two weeks. And remember, you have until then, if you want to play along, to watch Edge of Seventeen, The Hustle, Grease, and Artemis Fowl. So, without further ado, let's step into the closing housekeeping and then hear our word from our friends at the Where Do We Find podcast with Robbie and Lisa. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. And I'm Robbie, and we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits, 
You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine.